eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. John, we always lay out the storylines for the game and the things that we're going to be watching in six-pack form, the pregame six-pack. You do three, I do three. We go back and forth. So let's start it off. I always give you the honors. You go first. What's the first thing you're watching for in this game on Sunday? The same thing everybody watches for every game is the quarterback play. And will will Mills be better now that he's back home after he was mediocre in the last two road losses at Chicago and Denver? He played very well until his strip sack in the fourth quarter against Indy, and he's not played well since. Maybe he will be the Mills we saw before that strip sack, meaning accurate, don't throw the ball when people's are covered. Don't drop it off to Rex Burkhead. If you're going to check down, throw it to Damian Pierce, who averaged over 10 yards a catch. Get the ball to him in the passing game. Spread the ball around. Get it more to Nico Collins. Now, everybody's talking about him being benched. It's so funny to me. We all thought the Texans were going to be a bad team. Around the league, they were predicted to be one of the worst. Now people are acting like they were supposed to be a playoff team, and uh, they should have won three games. They could have won three games, but I wouldn't say they should have because they were underdogs in every game, and they're not as good as those teams, including the Bears, because of their running game. So to me, it starts with Mills. Don't turn it over. Make good decisions. When you get in the red zone, don't throw it to somebody that's covered. Yeah, John, I think you you kind of you kind of nailed it, I think, with just the 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 overall reaction to to Mills. I, I think it's because they were so close at winning these games, and the difference was the quarterback play. If Davis Mills plays at a B minus uh across the board in those three games, I think they're definitely two and one. Like, I think if he's a B minus against the Bears, they might have won that game by a touchdown or more. If he's a B minus against the Colts, it means he probably went and got a field goal in the fourth quarter. And then who knows what happens in Denver? Uh, you, you know, that that was a tough road environment. Maybe they win that one. Maybe they don't. But I think that's the thing. It's almost like it's almost like this revisionist history that's going on with the Texans about how aghast we are at them losing these games, even though we all thought they would be a mediocre team is because, wow, they actually are doing some things much better than they did last year. 
obviously run defense and quarterback play are two that they're not doing better, but they're definitely a more talented football team, I would say. And I think that's where that's where the reaction comes from is people are looking at it going, man, I, if they got, if they got halfway decent quarterback play, we might be talking about this team as a bit of a surprise right now, as opposed to the 32nd best team in the league, which is where most people have them in their power rankings right now. I would think this, that Mills has a better chance of bouncing back because we've seen him play well than the run defense because the run defense has been terrible three years in a row. Players come and go, position coaches come and go, head coaches come and go, coordinators come and go, and they're still awful. John, if Mills, I, I tell you what, I mean, the, the way we laid out the road and the home splits a little earlier in this conversation, I almost feel like the home games don't matter to me anymore <laughs> in a way. I mean, if all we're doing is just evaluating Davis Mills this year, which is really the main thing, because as you pointed out, they're not going to the playoffs. Um if Mills tears it up at home, like is an A minus at home across the board, which he's kind of been, I mean, 14 touchdowns, one interception is a pretty impressive ratio. And he was good last year in the home games. Even when he was going through his tough stretch early in the season, his rookie year, he still had that great game against the Patriots in week five last year. Um, he was really, really good in that game. I, I almost feel like he's an A minus at home. If he keeps playing this way on the road, then I'm still back in the market for a quarterback next year. I mean, you, you can't have a quarterback who's a mess every time you go on the road, even if he's really, really good at home. Yeah, I don't care if he goes unbeaten at home. If he can't play well on the road, yeah. get him out of there. Yep, absolutely. All right, um, that, so that's your number one uh, in the six-pack, Davis Mills. That's a good one. Um, mine is the Texans pass rush against Justin Herbert, and there's a lot of a, there's a lot of layers to this one, John. First of all, the, the pass rush has been actually one of the more encouraging aspects of the Texans team overall, but definitely their defense this year. They've got 10 sacks through three games. Um, and some of that's come from blitzing. You know, we saw Jalen Petrie get a sack in the last game, but Jerry Hughes has been really good. Jonathan Grenard, I think, is on the cusp of getting his first sack. We'll see what kind of push they can get up the middle. Um, but this is a Chargers offensive line that's depleted. They're missing their left tackle, Rayshon Slater, who's out for the year. We don't know what Lindsley is going to be, the center. This weekend, at the very least, he's going to be playing coming off of some sort of knee injury if he plays. And Justin Herbert's dealing with cracked rib cartilage right now, whatever that is. So if you can get a good lick in on Justin Herbert, who knows what happens there. This is an injury that they're talking about with him that he's going to be feeling this probably for most of the season. I think it was Matt Hasselbeck who had that kind of injury, and he said it's terrible, it stinks. And it makes it really hard to function. Any little hit that you get is really, really painful. Um, so I think the the Texans pass rush, I think it lines up perfectly for the Texans pass rush to actually have a pretty productive day. You got a quarterback dealing with an injury. You got an offensive line dealing with a cluster of injuries. And the pass rush has actually been pretty encouraging so far this year. Tied for the fifth in the NFL in sacks. They rank very high in red zone defense so far. There's just this one little thing they haven't been able to do on defense, and that's stop the run, and that's my next one. The front seven has been awful against the run. When Jonathan Owens is tied for the lead in the NFL in tackles with Roquan Smith, because that's what linebackers are supposed to do, it is preposterous. It shows you what a bad job the front seven is doing against the run. I can't wait till Christian Harris is healthy. I'd put Garrett Wallow out there, linebacker. Their linebackers are not making plays. Camus Grugier-Hill giving up perceptions. He's not playing like he did last year. And then when I watch the game, 
each play over and over and over. I see Malik Collins and Roy Lopez being blocked by one guy. Mm -hmm. I see Jerry Hughes and Jonathan Bernard charging up the field and getting blocked inside, and they run outside of them. But I don't know what they can do because they're not going to just sub out everybody. Maybe it's a coaching thing with Lovey Smith. But if they continue to be as horrid as they are against the run, they're going to keep getting beat. The only good thing about if the other team doesn't throw much is usually the games are close. Mm -hmm. And that's what's helped put the Texans in position to win three games is because people are not throwing on them. Now, some of that uh, we like to think is the pass defense being good or the pressure, but the truth is teams just haven't had to do it very much. Yeah, no, that's the run defense has been, has, has been absolutely, uh, Absolutely abysmal. I, you know, John, it was funny during training camp. I just remember watching them on defense. I'm going, man, they seem, they seem undersized up front. And I know that there's a certain body type that Lovey looks for because he's asking, he's asking his defensive line to do different things than say Romeo Cornell is asking his defensive lineman to do. It's the difference between a four three and a three four. Um, but I just remember watching them this this preseason and thinking, man, I. I'm a little nervous that they're going to get pushed around by some teams that, that, that can play bully ball. And that's, you know, that's kind of who they've played so far. Like the teams they've played so far are teams that are good at running the football, you know, the Colts with their offensive line and Jonathan Taylor. And we know the Broncos have that two headed monster with Gordon and Williams. And we saw with the Bears and the, the bears, it wasn't an aberration against the Texans. They ran the ball really well against the Packers the week before that. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I guess my point is, I don't know that this is something that's, that's getting fixed until at all until after, I don't think there's anything schematically they can do to fix this. I think this is going to be who they are and they got to play around this thing. So that's John's number two is the rush defense. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. John, my next one is uh, my, my things to watch. We're going through our pregame six-pack. My number two, Derek Stingley Jr., um, we didn't hear his name very much against the Bears, and that's a good thing, mostly because the Bears didn't throw the ball very much. But um, there weren't any coverage busts or anything like that. Not hearing Stingley's name is a good thing on Sundays. We know two Sundays ago he had kind of a rough game against Cortland Sutton. He's stepping back up in weight class now as far as the, the, the quarterback pulling the trigger and, more importantly, the weapons on the outside. It sounds like the Chargers are getting Keenan Allen back for this game from the hamstring injury. He's, when healthy, one of the top receivers in the NFL. And Mike Williams, I think, is kind of a uh, underrated, maybe is uh, maybe not the right term. I mean, he got paid this offseason, but he's as good a number two as there is. I mean, they're almost interchangeable, Allen and Williams, as far as number one and number two. Stingley's going to draw that aside. He's going to draw one of those two guys. Um, so uh, Derek Stingley Jr., this is the next the next chapter in his baptism into the NFL. And I want to see how he, how he – I want to see who he's covering and how he holds up. If you don't want them to go after Derek Stingley, there is a way to keep them from doing that very much. Keep them on the bench. Run the ball. Run the ball with Damian Pierce. Forget about this fallacy that they think Rex Burkhead is going to help the offense because he's not. 
And Pat Hamilton is dreaming if he sees that and others don't. Lovey Smith has got to step in and say, play Dario Gumbawale, play anybody but Rex Burkhead. Keep Pierce in there. If he falls, keep him in there anyway because he's your only threat. If somehow he could rush for, say, 140 or 50 yards, and this happens with quite a bit of teams, that would help them control the ball, keep the opposing offense off the field, and limit those opportunities in which Keenan Allen or Mike Williams could try to combine with Justin Herbert to pick on whether it was Derek Stingley or Steven Nelson or anybody. One thing they won't do is they won't pick on Jalen Petrie coming off the great game he had in Chicago. Yeah, he was outstanding. So is that your third one, John, then? Damian Pierce run the football? Is that is that the, Absolutely. the, the, the seamless segue into the third the th- your, third, your third can of the six-pack. I think it's a good one. I think Pierce is going to be the one to watch all year. And it sounds like you want a Gumba Wale to get those Burkhead, to get those Burkhead touches. I, think I don't anybody care who it is. Yeah. It can be Ron Dane. Yeah. Call up Arian Foster. I mean, yes. Dominic Williams. Anybody but Rex Burkhead. Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue Alfred strikes Blue. He strikes me as somebody who decided to stick around in Houston because it's good real estate prices. He was a six-round pick. He can really get an affordable home as a six-round pick, and, and he's from the South, and he just likes it here. I bet he's sitting around somewhere right now. And he's probably younger than Burkhead. <laughs> I think he is. Yeah, of course he is. He was drafted in 2014. All right, we need a hashtag. We need a hashtag for that. We got to get Alfred Blue out of retirement. Um, all right, my last one, John, special teams. Texans special teams have been really, really good this year so far. They were excellent against the Bears. They really, they, I mean, they they were the one of the biggest facets of the team that gave them a, a chance to win that game. The coverage teams were really good. You got Graylin Arnold getting in there and getting a, a nice tackle, running down on punts in that game. Uh, Desmond King had a 31-yard punt return that set the Texans up with great field position. Um, I think I, I think special teams are going to need to be where they've been. I think I saw on Football Outsiders their second in special teams DVOA, which is efficiency stats. Uh, the Chargers are 23rd in special teams DVOA. So I know the Chargers are banged up, but even a banged up Chargers, still the more talented team, clearly, of these two football teams. Um, and we haven't even mentioned injuries to, to, uh, to Joey Bosa. Uh, along the defensive line, he's got a groin. He's probably not going to play. I mean, the Texans are the underdog in this game, and they should be. But, boy, I mean, the football gods cannot be smiling on them any more than they possibly could in terms of the the, the amount of damage, medical damage, that's been inflicted on the Chargers. But I still think, too, even with all that, special teams is going to play a role in this, whether it's Desmond King making a return whether it's you know maybe getting some sort of turnover in the in the special teams game and Cam Johnston has been one of the most valuable Texans since he set foot here a year and three games ago um, so I think the special teams in the kicking game if the Texans keep this game close are going to be a difference maker in this one Jamie Fairbairn, 63 consecutive field goals inside the 40 all of his kickoffs I think have been touchbacks and of course neither one of him or Johnston would have been possible without the extraordinary snapping from John Weeks, yes. the greatest snapper in NFL history. they I think the special teams may need to score two or three touchdowns to help out the offense. Yep, I, I think so too. I, at the very least, set up field position like they did that one time against the, the Bears. All right, John, I've got a few for real or fugazis for you here in a second, but as long as we're talking about the Texans and the Chargers, what's your prediction for the game on Sunday? I'm predicting, let's see, Chargers going to win this game uh, 27 to 20. 
Okay. I've got the Chargers winning as well. I actually have it a little higher scoring. I think the Texans are going to be able to move the ball offensively against this depleted Chargers team, but still I have a hard, I can't pick the Texans to win a game like this until I see them with Lovey Smith as their head coach actually win a football game. Um, so I'm going to say 31, 27. I think the Texans stay inside. Ooh. The, I think the Texans, Ooh, you think the Texans are going to score 27. I think I, 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 I 31, 27, John. Well, what did you say it was going to be? 27 to 20. 27 20. All right. So I'm just I'm just tacking one more touchdown on. That's all. Yeah. It's a little I'm Desmond trying to King. figure out what you saw in Chicago, Denver, or Indianapolis made you think all of a sudden they're going to score almost 30 points. Uh, John, here's the thing. I'll tell you what. Okay, so they scored 20 in Chicago. Let's not act like they scored five or you know, three or whatever. You know, like they a, had 20 against the Colts. And they had 20 against the Colts. So let's so let's start there. Um and and I don't think they're going to go 0 for 4 on third and 1. You know, and obviously if they're scoring 27, I'm going to assume that Davis Mills is protecting the ball, which he's done incredibly at home. And he's actually done it while scoring touchdowns. So um so that's yeah, I mean I think I, I think that's what it is. I mean they scored 20 against the Bears last week and they were really really bad at certain facets of the offense that I just think they'll be better at. Um, this weekend. So I admit it's a, a 27 points, a lot of points for this Texans team, but they're going to score 27 in the game at some point this year. I'm not picking them to win 31, 27. I have as the, uh, as the final score.